I mean, let's be quite frank, it was never really in any reasonable doubt, was it? (laughs) (laughs) Well. (laughs) He says having spent the entirety of Sunday from, what, 6am to 4pm dreading for 10 hours straight. That was one of the worst lead-ups to a game I can ever recall. It was the longest day, wasn't it? Or amongst the longest days. It was just... (laughs) I think the the four o'clock kickoff made it worse, but just trying to get through trying to get through the hours before that game and trying to fill the day with something um was quite dif- was quite difficult yeah. just because it was it's one of those games that the repercussions of which are so absolutely enormous that it felt just ridiculously huge and um yeah i, I managed not to really think about it till this morning and then then the uh the jeopardy struck yeah then yeah. the anxiety kicked in which is never ideal but paul and rich welcome to this week's red voices hosted by me you and hello because we have finally sealed that spot in the top four, thanks to today's 2-0 win over Leicester City, so United will be playing Champions League football once again, thanks to a rather dogged performance at the King Power Stadium on today. So it's you and Rich and Paul on hand to discuss the game. Paul, how are we doing, man? Yeah, really good, thanks, you. And like you said, massive sense of relief. I said last week on the last pod that... Um, you thought we were going to nice. do it? You said it, hmm. you called it. I, I, well, I, I wasn't going to... No, I wasn't actually going to say it. I, that would sound like gloating, although I did say that. But no, I said that it was it would be quite nice for United to have something riding on this last game of the season. You know, I take all of that back. It was <laughs> but we got there, and and you know, it's I'm so so happy not just for for us and the fans or whatever, but for Ollie as well because it's been a slog this season. And and to, all right, we limped over the line, but I think you know it, it's vindication for him on a lot of on a lot of fronts. Think really. think back to that Burnley game. I can't remember which. Um... No, I do not want to. Well, no, no. I mean, we can we can now, can't we? I mean, you know, <laughs> hindsight and it's all no, it's all it's all been right no. in the end. But think back to that Burnley game and where we felt we were after that and, and what it felt like, and then think. I mean, it feels like a very long time ago because it is a very long time ago. But and then and then think we haven't lost a league game since then, which which is given that I think it's amazing. I, I'm not sure. I think it took until January for us to win two league games in a row. I think, yeah, you're right. Do you know what it is? It's we were always going to be inconsistent this season because we've got one of the youngest squads in the in the league, and not you know the squad isn't good enough. But you know we had a lot of injuries to key players, and so you know there were there was always going to be inconsistency. It was never going to be easy. Mm. But we you know to finish third, I think is actually a pretty big <laughs> achievement with the squad that Southampton have available to him. So. Yeah, dead chuffer, and he's made some huge decisions as well. You know that he would be knew he'd live, live or die by, and he's taken so much flack and those you know from United fans as well. Lukaku's always been mentioned when things haven't been going quite mm. right, and you know he's proven he's been proven right in the long run, really, Solskjaer, and uh, you know really 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 chuffer. Yeah, I mean, Richie mentioned the Burnley game, and that is a fantastic touch point for this season, isn't it? You know, back to January, that two 0 defeat at Old Trafford. You know, I think I think it was the two of us. We were both saying that that felt like a rather large turning point in the sense of the tide turning against Ollie, and we got a couple of decent results in the immediate short term, but there wasn't massive confidence apart from from Paul, of course, because he's never wavered uh, in terms of what Solskjaer could actually do for this season. And if you'd have said United were going to finish third after that Burnley defeat, that would have been incredible because. You know, what was it at that point? Eight games lost in the league by the time we got into mid-January. I mean, United were not in good form. They couldn't create much. Rashford had gone. Martial was, you know, struggling up front on his own. And you just didn't see where the season could go from there. And the fact that it's ending as it did. And obviously there's been a bit of a dip in the post-lockdown football because Solskjaer has nailed his colours to the mass. This is what he thinks of this squad. This is what he thinks of this team. And the team that you saw today, Bart Luke Shaw coming in for Brandon Williams is the one that he thinks has got the best chance of getting a result. And it wasn't so much the performance today that was most heartening. It was United's attitude and the way that they went about their business. You know, from the off, I mean, you know, we were speaking about what we expected from that starting lineup after the draw against West Ham earlier last week. And I expected some changes because I just saw how tired that team looked. But then again, we got to Sunday and Rich, I don't know about you, but I wasn't surprised at all to see Solskjaer go for the strongest team at his disposal, even if they were tired. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've spoken before about the ridiculous level of the drop-off below, below the first 11 and the, 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 the substitutes in most positions. 
And given that Ollie had essentially picked his best team or thereabouts for every single game since the end of lockdown, it didn't really seem plausible that he was going to do the same. He wouldn't do the same again for this last game because you kind of dragged them this far. You might as well just stick them out and hope they can do it again. I think we did see two two teams in United and Leicester who were both absolutely bollocks, to be frank. Leicester ran out of steam before the lockdown, but... You know, and I haven't watched any of the other games. I haven't seen any of the other games, but I think you probably see a lot of tired teams across the board. But United, particularly, and Leicester with all those injuries, and it is an incredible achievement to have finished third from where where we are. But I do, I also think that the the, the nature of the lockdown and the the season that's happened afterwards has benefited us and 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 turned against Leicester in terms of player availability. And it was just. You know, ultimately, we, we, we didn't play well today. Leicester didn't play well, but we've we've ground out two wins in our last four and two draws from games where we really didn't play very well. And and, and ultimately, that's that's what, what it came down to. And that's an achievement because so often we've fallen when things are against us. I think it's a real, real massive psychological hurdle yeah. to get over as well, isn't it? Because we were saying just before we started recording, you know, I, I was saying that I think a lot of United fans today would have been, and I, I was watching with my dad and my son, and a, a few points, I, 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 I think when Chelsea went ahead, I sort of turned to my dad and said, oh, you know what, we're not going to do it, are we? <laughs> we're going to fall again at the, at the final hurdle, and because and, because that's what we've been used to in recent years, you know, since Fergie retired. We, all right, we've got into top four a couple of times, but it's it's never felt, we never felt like we deserved it even, really. You know, and, and so that psychologically, you know, we talked plenty of times this season, again with the young team, about the brittleness of their... Um, character almost and and confidence and so to, 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 to make it this time into the, not just the top four but to finish third I think is yeah it's going to do them so much good such young players it'll be, it'll be fantastic for them yeah I mean if we look back to the start of that match I guess you know saying earlier on that the the real heartening point with today was was the way United went about their business and at least in the first 45 minutes, there were certainly shades of that West Ham performance in terms of how soft we were. And we all remember United getting pressed once again and shockingly enough, struggling to cope with it and passing out from the back yeah. and struggling there. And for a couple of good shouts at goal, or at least a good f- glimpses at goal, you, know, you remember Martial coming in, he was offside uh, just and then was maybe lightly prodded over by Wes Morgan in the early offing and a couple of flashes here and there for Rashford. Whilst United were relatively comfortable on the ball when Leicester were sat back in several lines of four, I think the really key worrying thing in that first half was how much time and space Kalechi Iheanacho was getting. You know, he was able to spring forward on several occasions and United just couldn't get near him. You know, the, the, the real chance in that first half, what was it, a three on two and Vardy on one side and Iheanacho elects to shoot. It's a rubbish shot, and then De Gea spills the ball, and then Vardy, thankfully just offside, isn't able to convert. But there were several moments like that where United really rode their luck, and I think could be grateful for the fact that they weren't playing a team with better quality, or that Rodgers hadn't started Jose Perez, because who knows what happens if Leicester have got more quality streaming forward in those opportunities, because they had several of them in the first half. You know, United ended that first half in a little bit more control, didn't they? You know, I mean, there were a couple of moments here and there where you thought perhaps we could get something going. But I think especially with Chelsea then taking the lead, getting those two quick fire goals before the end of the half, Rich, that made Leicester's job a lot more simple. And it could have played into United hands, but I guess we just were not set up to counterattack today, were we? You know, the whole plan seemed to be get the ball, move it around slowly, wait for the opportunities in the space to come and take advantage of them. And we just about managed it. Yeah, I mean, you talked about those early kind of glimpses for Leicester, but it both I think both sides looked like teams whose key kind of attacking players were either dog-tired or lacking confidence or both. Um, I think we saw there were, there were two chances for Rashford at the end of the half. One of them was a really powerful, a really good, powerful shot, but the other one was a he kind of got the ball just just above the penalty spot, and and you know six weeks ago he'd have curled that into the top corner, and instead he just basically scuffs mm. it, scuffs it about four or five yards wide. You just saw two teams that were really struggling to find any fluency, and if you look at the the key players in both sides, from from Vardy for Leicester and Tielemans and and Didi and Rashford, Bruno, particularly Pogba to a degree for United, they, they, they were just struggling just with the simple things, and I think that's probably tiredness and pressure and and everything else. But 
I think after that first, maybe first half an hour, United definitely grew into the game. And I think they probably ended the half the better side and, I th- and just about continued that after half time. I thought Matic had a big influence today. Not, yeah. not even so much in the way he played, or I think he was one of the better players for United, but it, you could see him just trying to calm things down. You know, he's, a, he's an experienced player now, he's won titles, and you could really see him just sort of, you know, trying to calm the players down and, and be a leader on the pitch. And we really needed that at times because it was a you know, big deal today and the pressure was huge. I mean, another player that deserves a lot of credit for today is Victor Lindelof, who I thought, whilst again, it is, especially over the last couple of weeks, without wanting to be too bitchy about it, it's not necessarily been a massively high bar to be the best defender in that back four. But I thought a couple of moments, especially in the sort of opening 10 minutes when Leicester did come out with a real purpose and were attacking constantly down our left-hand side and really isolating Brandon Williams in particular. You know, I think there was a moment where, what was it, Albrighton coming down that side and Victor Lindelof, arms behind his back, just very casually and very carefully make sure to get the block in. And he had several moments like that the entire game. I thought he had one of his much better games for United today. And especially, you know, given the circumstances, we really, really needed that. Because there were moments for both Matic and Maguire where they just hideously misplaced passes or miscontrolled the ball or gave away possession. So, you know, the concentration really needed to be there. And for the most part, it was, you know. And again, Rich, as you said, the tiredness was clearly a factor. Both Mm. Pogba was, you know, Pogba was mispassing places he'd normally make in his sleep. There was that one moment where United won the ball back with some uncharacteristic pressing in the second half, not long before the, the goal and the penalty, where Bruno just has to hit a slightly stronger pass and Rashford is through on goal and he just completely underhits it and that's just down to tiredness yeah. and not quite having not being on the ball enough and that drop of 10 15 20 percent can make a huge difference especially in games like this but again as we said United stayed in the game and had a measure of control on it they knew they knew unless they went behind they weren't going to have to overexert themselves too much in order to get there and it just took that one moment Mason Green with winning the ball back Rashford played in uh, Martial, and at that point, both Wes Morgan and Johnny Evans, by the, by the look of it, both having a bit of a nip, and that was the turning point of the entire game. And as soon as that penalty was called, I thought we're going ahead. I've got to be honest. I mean, I'm not necessarily someone as you know is going to have massive amounts of confidence in United, but there is a grim certainty about Bruno Fernandes in front of goal from the penalty spot, isn't there? Yeah, there, there is. But one of the things that I noticed about him, he, he's probably been United's worst player in some senses in the last four games. <clears throat> I mean, I think yep. there have been... There have <laughs> Don't been, disagree uh, 99% all. of those games, he's been absolutely atrocious. I mean, and, and I think that's purely down to fatigue. But but if you look at those games, you know, <clears throat> how bad was he today? And yet he's he's basically assisted for a penalty... He then steps up and, you know, absolutely no nerves at all. Sticks sticks the keeper the wrong way. He was terrible at Palace and assisted the um, the Rashford goal. Um, he was terrible against Chelsea, but still sticks sticks a penalty home. It doesn't seem to matter what way he goes or how he does it. The keepers just can't work it out. He's just got a mentality that that is a different a different level to a lot of United's players, and it's the kind of mentality we need. That even if you're absolutely terrible and everything you're trying is is not coming off that you'll still keep trying it and you'll still do the same things and ultimately you'll you'll impact a game um and mm. yeah i mean I, th- I think from the moment that penalty went in you could see Leicester really um Leicester's heads really went down but it felt as that second half went on that Leicester just didn't really have a second gear to give um i think they there were lots of huffing and puffing and lots of effort but they just didn't seem to be the energy or the quality to to really put united to the sword and once that once that goal went in you really, really couldn't see them scoring twice. Although, having said that, they probably created their best opportunities after after United scored. But even then, there was a lack of decisiveness in their finishing and they never really looked like turning it around. No, I mean, De Gea didn't have a lot of saves to make, if any. You no. know, I think he was somewhat lucky to have just about... I mean, how much trust are we giving De Gea that that uh, free kick that was flicked on and then it hit the top of the crossbar? was actually being well analysed and looked after and monitored by De Gea there. Because I'm not so sure he fully understood what that, what was going on there. But yeah, you mentioned it. Wes Morgan and uh, who else had it? And Damari Gray both had a couple options. Barnes was in the box as well and turned around too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, United managed to shut down mostly the game quite well. And 
yes, it's true that Leicester were obviously looking like they didn't have a second gear to go into, as you said there, Rich. Yes, they were missing several players. You know, James Madison could have had a big difference today. You know, Ben Chilwell missing as well. You know, they had some limitations, but United were able to deal with the aftermath of that penalty without too much trouble and didn't actually really look like they were going to go kill the game off. But once they got that 1-0 lead, they were able to deal with the game with a modicum of control. And that was especially given the circumstances because there is it's been so difficult to trust this team under Solskjaer in these key moments and how many times did we see at the end of last season United have a good opportunity to get into the top four and then blow it with a really under par performance you know this was a good test of their mentality and they came through and rounded off with the most wonderful narrative twist at the end Lingard coming on for Green which was a puzzling substitution at the time because Rashford had really looked tired in that game it was an interesting substitution but Paul what what if that is the last we see of Jesse Lingard in the United shirt it's a nice bookend yeah it is um I was surprised to see him come on but um you know I don't know he's, he's, he's had a really tough time obviously this this year at United and we know he's had problems off the pitch as well Gets a lot of abuse from some of the some sections of the fans, but I think anyone, you know, most of us will wish him well. And to see him score that goal, you could see it in his face. He was just absolutely over the moon, wasn't he? So yeah, dead, dead pleased for him. And I think, uh, I think maybe today there was a, a, again on these days, these really big days, these big moments. There's a lot of psychology comes into play. I think in, in mentality, and, and I think that the fact that we sort of hold Leicester back because they were so far ahead of us in terms of points and goal difference not that long ago I think that probably had an effect as well because you know they would have been feeling the pressure and Brendan Rodgers would have been feeling the pressure and so uh, but yeah Jesse Lingard lovely to see and uh, I don't know whether he's going to go to Europe or what but I can't see him playing for the club again I think the thing about Lingard is that he's I would have said he's a at his best he's a kind of top half Premier League player he's one who suffered from the general lack of quality and standards at United over the last few years in that too much has been expected of him when he, he doesn't have the capacity to deliver it. And also I think that that sort of two-month purple patch that he had under Mourinho when he scored God knows how many ba- you know absolute bangers in, in the space of a, a, a sort of over the Christmas and January period, I think that kind of raised expectations as to what his contribution could be. Um, and and there, there do appear mm. to have been problems that he's had <clears throat> had off the pitch with his family and other things. And he's, he, he's one of those players, and I think there are quite a few of them at United at the moment, that just look like they need to go away and kind of do a Johnny Evans and, and start start again somewhere else and kind of regain their confidence and regain their form and actually get to play every week and start enjoying playing their football again. <laughs> I mean, Johnny Evans is an interesting choice considering the game he had today. Yeah, which... <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't his best game, was it? And I, th- I think he's just another one who... That Leicester team just have just kind of run out of legs, haven't they? And run out of puff. And um, and I think mm. Rogers. I've noticed as well, Rogers. If you look at look at him at um, Liverpool and at, at, at Celtic as well, his teams seem to peak well above their potential for about twelve months, and they're absolutely exceptional. And then it it drops off. And I don't know why. I don't know exactly what the thing is, but a very similar thing seems to have happened at Leicester. They kind of had that twelve month period from when he first came in to the kind of midpoint just after the midpoint of this season and everything's sort of they've perhaps sunk back to the mean I think as well they were, they were probably yeah. punching above their weight when they were you know they, they were just yeah. sort of winning every week they were well, not losing every week and I think that, that that was probably a bit more than than they were really genuinely capable of and, that, and as soon as things got a bit tough and I think they looked pretty knackered as well they had a few bad injuries and as, th- as soon as things got a bit tough I'm not sure Rogers has got you know the, I don't know what it is, the mentality himself to really, you know, to grind it out. It's either dead fancy and lovely to watch and, you know, all, all you know, just sort of flying. When it comes to sort of playing a little bit rough and dirty and just like dragging yourself over the line, I'm not sure he's got that in him really. Yeah, I mean, I guess that was a big thing for Solskjaer today, wasn't it? Is that did we think that there was a, that Solskjaer could bring this type of performance out of United? Because... We've seen consistently at times over the last 18 months that we're not sure. We haven't necessarily seen a lot of evidence for that. You know, on the big occasion, bar Paris, you know, United have come up short. So obviously we've had the, some great games against Chelsea and City, but not necessarily in massive occasions. You know, one-off performances have been there. And, you know, to see us get through this game in the manner that we did was encouraging. And, 
you know, as you said, Paul, it's been a slog of a season. Not just the fact that we took three months off. Obviously, we had to with coronavirus. I think just the ups and downs. You know, United just don't do things simply anymore. Even when we were finishing second at a huge distance, we still felt physically drained in that second season under Mourinho, didn't we? Let's be frank. And to have ended this domestic campaign with a third place finish. All right, obviously it's not a trophy, but there's satisfaction in that. You know, it's not a gigantic achievement. It's not sealing a cup. You know, it's not winning the title, but it's a step in the right direction. And I think it's good for Solskjaer. I think it's great for the team. I think it's really good for a number of these players who needed to achieve something this season these have something to hold on to to go into the next campaign because it is going to be so soon you know it starts in what five or six weeks and we're not going to be finishing playing if we get deep into the Europa League until mid-August so you know I think it's a real great thing not only for the club in the short term but hopefully in longer term as well and Rich I don't know about you I mean I think we discussed this a little bit last week this takes a lot of pressure off the Europa League and also gives me a bit more confidence that we can now go on and win it because we don't have to chuck the best, you know, starting eleven that we've got into the next, you know, couple of games and see how we fare. Obviously, the LAS game is a bit of a dead rubber at this stage, but there's much less pressure on the Europa League now. We've got Champions League sealed, and United can start thinking about well, how great would it be if we win a trophy this season to really end this season on a high? Yeah, we've definitely got a better chance of, of winning it. I mean, I was I had some confidence that we'd kind of be back towards our best by the time we got to playing someone who's really good, just simply because. There's a, a nice gap now between the last game. As you say, the, we won't need to play anything like our first first team in that game. I think you can probably make a few changes and still get through the, the quarterfinal against Copenhagen or Vasahakir. So, famous last words, but it's really the kind of semi-final, the, the point at which we're going to actually face somebody who really could beat us if we got it wrong on the day and if they if they played well. The pressure being off makes a huge difference, doesn't it? I mean, if, if you look at the, the Europa League under Mourinho in that second season and when we got to the semi-final, we essentially took the decision to, to concentrate on the Europa League and um, and sort of sack off the remainder of the league so we were too far back. Those two semi-final games against what was a really, really average Celta Vigo team were dire, absolutely dire. You know, f- for the quality we had versus their quality, we you know, we, sh- we should really have gone out. Um, and I think that's part part pressure and part tactics from Mourinho, but being able to just go through the, the, these next, hopefully, four games with little pressure and being able to rest a lot of your better players and, and get them refreshed again is, is going to be really important, I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it, we, as fans, we can enjoy it more as well because, you know, it's not everything riding on, on this. And, you know, it's you said earlier, you and obviously top four isn't a trophy and, and you're absolutely right. And obviously the Europa League is kind of a second string trophy. This is all true, but for such a young team, again, I'll just repeat, you know, these are big steps, big first steps. And that's all they are, but it's the foundation to build on. And of course, the fact that we've got Champions League football, and then if we could possibly win a trophy as well, you know, that's attractive to, to other players. Um, you know, they're more likely to come to United if they think that there's a, there's something emerging here. <clears throat> Whereas if we finish outside the top four, you know, obviously that's... It does. It would have put a huge pressure on. Hopefully, the players can relax now, go out and sort of enjoy themselves. There can be a bit more squad rotation, and I don't know. I think you know we've got a pretty decent chance. I mean, there's no there's no re- really ridiculously strong teams left in the competition, really. So, well, I mean, Inter have been in relative, relatively decent form over the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, there, there doesn't seem to be an immediate end to the Alexis Sanchez saga in sight at the moment. United seem to be holding firm on forcing Inter to pay up the full price or otherwise he's not going to play in the Europa League for the rest of the season which is the right call mm. and Sanchez has been in relatively useful form of late so I think that's completely the right um, approach to be taken to the situation yeah but I don't think there's too much to worry about it's just whether or not United can play to their potential having you know I'm actually now making good use of the time available you know we've got 10 days until that game against LASK. I doubt many of the big guns are going to be available for it, which is exactly the right call. They should get some days off now to rest and recuperate. And if the likes of, I don't know, say Matic or Maguire get the rest of the season off, then I understand that. I don't think that's the worst idea. You know, I think there's opportunity here now for Solskjaer to measure up who needs a rest because, <clears throat> as mentioned, Maguire has played every single minute available to him in Premier League football. 
And I know he hasn't always been at the very top of his game or quite what you'd expect for a player of that price tag. But he's put in an absolute shift, for want of a better term, this season. And alongside Matic, who we know is no spring chicken and has had to play a lot of football because Solskjaer is so worried about the drop-off in quality if you bring in Fredo McTominay. Two players who deserve to put their feet up for maybe a couple of weeks at the moment. But yeah, I don't go into that Europa League campaign now. And the club won't go into that now completely scared of the consequences of failure. And, you know, it, it could be a wonderful end to the season to finish it with some silverware. And, you know, for Solskjaer to get a trophy in his first full season... I think that'd be an incredible marker to put down as we go into this next season, knowing that we need to bring some players in, knowing that there's still a, a, a gap to bridge to City and Liverpool that probably won't happen straight away. But it puts down a marker. You know, it, It's a tangible point you can say, United have achieved this goal. United have done something important with their time this season, especially given the disruption, especially given the inconsistent form, especially given that it took us until... Good grief. June of this year to start playing our best football, considering that the season should have been done by then. You know, there's been so many negative things to talk about this season. I think we've been so afraid of failure, especially getting into the top four and another year of having to watch football on Thursday night. Side note, lads, we haven't got to watch football on Thursday night next year. Bizarre. Unless we go out in the group stages. Yeah, let's not do that. Speaking of which, uh, remember Santan Dave said he wasn't going to come back on Twitter unless Ole got sacked. Yeah. He has returned this evening with his tail between his legs. Well, it's good that some... At least at least he's actually come back and, and said, fair cop. Plenty wouldn't, would they? Things you love to see. Mm. Things you do love yeah, to... very much. Uh, alongside, alongside Duncan Castle's salty tears on, on Twitter this evening as well. Honestly, oh, I mean... It... Now, you mentioned Big Dunk. Yeah. Uh, I, Rich, I'm going to throw this one to you because you've got more insider knowledge than uh, the rest of us. Um, Dominic Kukur asks also can someone explain the backstory on this Duncan Castles fella he appears to have one hell of a chip on his shoulder about something but I'm clearly late to the party on the reasons why Richard you had the floor Dunk's got a long a long and storied backstory but um, essentially he got he kind of got into particular journalistic prominence by his links to um, I think Gestifute and um, someone at Gestifute and Jorge Mendes and ultimately Jose Mourinho and he became something of a Mourinho um, acolyte um, and everything he says and does since that time he's basically he's basically a journalistic um, Mike you know love United hate Glazer Mike um, off Twitter but without the without the casual homophobia and racism and stuff he's just got this incredible agenda and now he's obviously he's, he's now got a podcast which has kind of come off the back of those kind of insider transfer stories. And the, every week he anchors the podcast with a little monologue, about, which essentially puts Solskjaer down, even when it's not related to transfers. And, and again, he's, you know, even in, even in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary, he's tried it on Twitter again tonight. But yeah, has no coherent analysis of the season that his idol has had at Spurs. The idol who will probably now say that this getting sixth and qualifying to the Europa League was probably the best achievement of his entire career this season with Spurs. But essentially, he's got he's got um, he, he's a very very compromised journalist in my opinion in terms of his angles and and yeah. So he's he's very salty to have been proven horribly wrong. I mean, very succinct. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more catty, but seven out of ten. Oh, Appreciate that. I was that. trying to, I was trying to be <laughs> as balanced as possible. <laughs> oh, well done, well done. I mean, that, that that's more effort than he puts yes. into his discussion. So well done, that one. Paul, Champions League sealed. Uh, I'm guessing now silly season has indeed started, or is about to start tomorrow, as it were. Um, Jaden Sancho et al. Now transfers become a lot easier, don't they? United have got Champions League football to offer. And with the Europa League win, if we get that far, of course, that's a massive variable. United become a little bit more of an attractive proposition. So do you expect the likes of Sancho and maybe a couple of the players to be easier to seal now? Yeah, I do, absolutely. Um, I think, like I said before, you know, you can see that there's something emerging at United. And I think when you look at the squad bequeathed to, to Solskjaer, the squad he took over, it was a real mess. It was a real jumble of parts thrown together and it'll be interesting to see because I think he's done okay in the transfer market so far and so it'll be interesting to see who he does go for and what he does with them because then you get you you get new problems you know keeping players happy where do you fit Jaden Sancho in we've talked about it before you know who do you drop um, I don't think it's about dropping players it's about you know you need a big squad we've seen that this season you need a big squad of quality players to compete at the top 
And we don't want to just settle for top four season after season. We, we, we want to be pushing for titles. And there's still a way to go, I think, for that for that to happen. But the likes of Jaden Sancho, certainly now we'll look at United and think, OK, there's something happening there that's attractive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the, the thing is Liverpool could afford to not strengthen that side and still be a very formidable competitor going into next season that United might not even be able to measure up to in the next 12 months so there are certainly levels that United need to go to that we're still not completely convinced they're capable of getting to under this management and this coaching and you know I mean I know I've been banging this drum for so long but points obviously we won and I'm trying not to put a dampener on it but one of the big things going into the transfer market now is yes Jadon Sancho have been fantastic you know it would be amazing to have four forwards in the shapes of Sancho and Greenwood and Martial and Rashford of such high caliber capable of scoring at least 10-15 goals a season and what remarkable goal tally we've had from the three lads we've had this season you know we should be incredibly proud of what they've achieved you know what do United look at as priorities because especially over the last couple of weeks Richie pointed out in the last episode where does Solskjaer focus on next you know are we going to look at a, uh, someone to help share the load with Matic who's a bit more competent a bit more energy in defensive midfield are we thinking of in the centre-back you know there are questions in terms of where United are going to be best placed to put their investment that we're not going to be able to answer straight away and they're not easy to figure out just yet you know I mean centre-back and defensive midfield have been two big problems over this run the last couple of weeks I mean Rich gun to your head say if you had to choose one of them where would you go one position yeah I mean aside from say you know for the sake of argument we get Sancho which is obviously a big if but you know would you rather get a backup to Matic or would you want someone to accent Maguire oh I think I think they're both because I don't know I don't think we're going to get three to four players I think two three max I I would I think we could get three I I think defensive midfield and centre-back are of equal importance although I think it's possible because Matic has been doing a reasonably high quality job in that defensive midfield role I think you can upgrade more easily at centre-back in the left centre-back position I think if you buy a better player than Lindelof that makes quite a lot of difference to the stability of your team defensively Um, and you've got you know we really need a better first choice centre-back there I mean, I think I've been quite heartened by the by the kind of links and the stories about what we're we're looking for. It's clear we obviously a right winger, obviously a defensive midfielder, a centre back, and also possibly a, a sort of secondary striker. And I think those are the four that United will be trying to work on. And then I think it will just be a case of what comes up and also who we can get out the door in the meantime. You know, if we can if we can offload Smalling, Rocco, probably Lingard. And a couple of others, Sanchez, and a couple of others for fees. Then you've you've built a little pot, and I wouldn't expect us to be spending 60, 70 million on a centre back, or in a midfielder. I think you're probably looking at a kind of 30 to 40 million range on those on those positions. I think we'll we'll, we'll try and throw the big money at right wing, and then and then try and be judicious and 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 get value for money in those other positions. And that's fine because I think in this particular market, after with COVID and a lot of clubs not in great financial um, positions you can pick up players who will complement the squad and possibly improve us hopefully for for relatively small fees and, and I'm also heartened by the fact that I think Oli did get last summer right in terms of his signings all, all the last his four signings have all proven to be at least very useful additions and, and I, I, I trust him more than I've trusted any manager we've had since Fergie to actually spend the money judiciously and get the right players in this is the first time when i can actually see a direction of i can see a direction of travel and what what ollie's trying to achieve and i also think that the club have bought into that very heavily they're all working together which is nothing that's the first time you can really we can really say that since since 2013 yeah i think with, with Mourinho, it's it's weird this and i've not really i've not really mentioned this before and it might have been just where i was in my headspace at the time but that Europa League win, well, obviously it was great. It's always great to win trophies. I didn't get the same sense of joy that I've had in the past when we've won trophies. And, and I think that's partly just because it always felt with Mourinho that he was doing, it was all about him. Even, you know, every single thing was about him. He didn't really care about the club. He didn't really care about the players. He didn't really care about the future. Um, whereas Solskjaer, for me, you know, he, he's a United man. He, he loves the club. He adores the club. And... I've said it before. I think every decision he makes, he's tr- in, he feels is the best thing for the club. It's not just about him, 
and that's a big difference I think because he's planning he's not just trying to get short term fixes not just thinking about oh well what's going to keep my job for the next year or two he's thinking about the future and, and you can see that in, in the, the young players he's bringing through and, and how he's managing those and I think he's he's evolving and improving as a coach as well so at the same time you know I said before that um, Moyes came in and did what Moyes was going to do you know he was he was a relatively senior coach at that time and he just came in and did what he'd done before. Van Gaal came in and did what he'd done before, and there was no there was no alternative to that. Mourinho came in and just did the same thing. That and 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 there was no changing it. No matter what went right, what went wrong, there was no adapting to any situation at all. It was just I'm going to keep doing this. And and Ollie's had to adapt to a lot of situations. And I think United were a far more one dimensional team six months ago, and he was a far more one dimensional coach six months ago. And both now are showing signs of being more multifaceted. Yeah, I mean, I think that Bruno signing, for instance, you can see how much more United can do, given and Solskjaer can do, given the correct tools. You see how much more that signing has transformed that front three. They get more chances. They're all scoring more goals. You know. But that was obvious, though. I mean, earlier in the season, I remember after the Burnley match, and we talked about that earlier. I was I was at that match, and I honestly walked away from that match one of the most depressed I've ever been after any United match. And it was mainly, it wasn't because what Solskjaer was doing, I could see what he was trying to do. It was because I felt he was being thrown under the bus by the board. I felt like, he, you know, he was just going to be another fall guy and and actually, we, actually the board went out and bought Fernandes after that. And all season we've been saying, you, this, this team needs a playmaker, it needs a creative midfielder. Because Martial and Rashford and Greenwood obviously wasn't playing as much earlier in the season, but, Throughout that early season, they were making the runs. It's just there was no one there to find them. No. Bruno comes in, and hey, presto, what a surprise. We start scoring goals. Yeah, I mean, if, if you think as well, it, what the, the, the kind of critics' favourite line when he was appointed as full-time manager and again in the summer was that he was just essentially a glazer sop. And that, yeah. and that because he, he'd be so grateful for the job that, that he wouldn't actually have the force oh, of will to... Absolutely. To, to you know, and you can't. You just a yes man. Yeah, you couldn't completely dismiss that because you just don't know how it's going to turn out. But what it's clear is that they have bought into him, and he has ultimately been able to get out of them so far. Touch wood, what he's wanted. And yeah, you know, I go into this summer with some hope that again, that the club will deliver as much as is possible. They might not deliver it in the time that they should, or in the way that they should, but I think I think they trust him more than they've trusted any manager since Fergie. Absolutely. And they're actually more inclined to deliver. Right, gentlemen, uh, questions to come, but I'll ask you to make a decision on your player for this season. Obviously, we've still got the Europa League left, but I don't necessarily think that the opinion is going to change too much at this stage. Paul, hit me up. Who's your player of this season for United? Uh, I'm going to say Marcus Rashford. Honestly, I honestly could have put money down. You're about to say Marcus Rocco. Marcus Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a close second. No, uh, Marcus Rashford, because, I mean, it, it's always amazing to see young players, local lads especially, coming through the youth system. But this has felt like the season where he's really emerged as a player on the cusp of being really world-class. And, it's, it's you know, he's obviously had a couple of rough weeks recently. He looks pretty exhausted. But there were, you know, you, you look, you, you go back to earlier in the season before he got his injury, and he was absolutely scintillating. He was, you know, he was really looking like, uh, like he could become one of the best players in the world. And it's just a great story. And he's he's had ups and downs at the club, and there were, there were even rumours that he was going to leave. I think you know he was misused and mismanaged under Mourinho, and he's just a fantastic player to watch when he's on form. So Marcus Rashford for me, Richard. Yeah, I agree. If you if we go back to kind of the end of last season, even the start of this season, there were a lot of people really that there was a lot of criticism when he was given a new deal on big money. Um, there was quite strong suggestions that, that Barcelona liked him last summer, and that was that was laughed off by a lot of people. You know, they're, they're, he's had an awful lot of criticism in terms of in terms of how good he actually could be and how good he is. Given the context of the season, that United lost. Essentially, their most talented player in Pogba very early, and we lost all creativity in the team as soon as that happened. Martial had a period out at the start of the season. Rashford really came up trumps in those difficult times, and he's by far United's most improved player, I think, this season. And I think he he grew into a leader. 
mm. and he grew he grew into a into a, a match winner in in himself. And I think at his best this season, he's he's started to touch on being a world class footballer. And I I, I I agree, his his form's dropped off with everybody else's in the last few games. But you know, he played for two two months with a fracture in his spine and, yeah. and was still winning games for United. Um, and all of this, of course, with with, with this with the constant, you know, whenever things didn't go right, people started bringing up Lukaku's name. That yeah. was a huge call from Solskjaer to get rid of, to, of Lukaku yeah. and to put this trust in these these three young players, you know. And it's it's really mm. paid off, and it's been such a joy to watch. Martial's delivered as well, hasn't yeah. he? Martial's improved yeah, a great deal brilliant. as well. Yeah, he's been brilliant. I mean, I I don't think you can look at the Premier League season and look at what United achieved without taking Anti Martial's name into account, right? No. You know, he has been superb, and I think moments today watching him chase the ball down, and you know, you you don't necessarily always need Martial to be doing the legwork off the ball because he's still so scintillating when you give him an opportunity when you play the through ball. And again, you know, obviously Mason Greenwood helped win the ball back, and Martial is wise to that situation and was able to create the play that got us the penalty you know even when he's not having his best game at the moment he is providing so much for United and I love him as United's number nine at the moment I love the fact that he looks like he's enjoying himself so much at this club and creating chances and enjoying playing with the players around him because that's not always been the case since that first season exactly yeah and he looks he really does look like a, a, a proper striker now He's learned. He's learned like, how to play that role, hasn't he? He's learned that position yeah, over, the, over the course of the season. You know, you've got a guy who was a fantastic runner <clears throat> with the ball, and you know you could run him behind. But you're now looking at a guy. He's he's a lot stronger, I think, on the ball. Yeah. You think about the criticism he was getting earlier in the season at times from pundits and yeah. fans. You know, it's unbelievable. Well, it's not just that. It's pretty much every year since that yeah, breakout season. Absolutely. Isn't it? You know, it, there has been a question mark hanging over Anthony Martial's head ever since that. Ever since he came to United. Credit to Ollie again for for basically saying this, yeah. this guy who hasn't really played centre forward consistently for any at any point that he's been at United. This guy's my centre forward, and I'm going to make him yeah. a better one. And and I I can't say that he hasn't because he has. Right, Twitter went for Bruno Fernandes, followed by Marcel, followed by Rashford, followed by Harry Maguire. Which I mean, we'll have a chat about Bruno Fernandes because we've still got the always popular, always fantastic, always quite long play reviews pod to finish off at this stage before the uh, new season kicks off. I guess the only thing to finish off this episode with is a couple of questions from Twitter and a couple of observations. So, gentlemen, are you ready? We are. Indeed. Tariq Amir, wasn't it nice of Casper to lift the spirits of both Dave and Jesse? <laughs> it was actually really quite sweet to see De Gea run the length of the pitch to congratulate Jesse Lingard. I mean, if, if you can do it at any point, like it's got to be right at the end of the season when you tune up and you're about to qualify for top four, at least. So I guess that was quite nice. And Tariq also asks, is this the most impressive result post-lockdown? Lots at stake, didn't play fluently, but still managed to grind out a result. Paul? Yeah, I think you can make that argument. Um, Certainly it wasn't like the most scintillating performance, but under the circumstances with all the pressure on and such, I mean, such tired legs, um, it really, I think, showed a a, a coming of age almost, um, you know, a real sense of maturity or emerging maturity about the the team and a real sense of sort of togetherness within the team as well. Playing for each Mm -hmm. other, playing for the club, playing for the manager. And playing for the fans who weren't even there, you know. And so, yeah, I think it was, you could definitely make that argument. Mm. Uh, Rich, here's one for you from that James boy. Uh, we can see 36 goals this season, not far off City in second least conceded. So are we really that in desperate need of a new centre-back or can money be invested elsewhere? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, I think I think if nothing else, even if you're not talking to, in a defensive sense, I think the another centre-back who's got the ability to, to pass between the lines, which is, as we've all said, has been a terrible, an enormous problem, particularly in the last few weeks, trying to trying to play through a press. And at times, Maguire can distribute the ball really well. He can, play, he can pass <clears throat> pass between the lines. He can he can um, change the direction of the play and play diagonal balls out to the full-backs and the wingers. Lindelof doesn't have that. He doesn't have that passing range. I don't think he has that that comfort on the ball. So I think even if we're not talking in defensive sense, I think in an offensive sense, United can be, become a better team by getting a better centre back who is more able to distribute the ball. Mm. Right, Das Greer asks: uh, Europa League would be the icing on the cake this season, but what are our targets for next season, and what do we need to do to achieve them? Rich, we've got to close the gap. I mean, I'm not maybe I don't I don't know anymore, but 
but it, I think it's probably unrealistic <laughs> to, to to expect. I think you're going to see City spend an enormous amount of money again this summer. Oh yeah, sure. particularly uh, Chelsea are going to uh, have already and are going to continue to spend a fortune because they've got essentially two summers worth of money and the hazard money as well, and they've already brought in two really really top level players. So going to be an enormous challenge. But what we really need to do is obviously improve the squad and get ourselves a lot closer to the top. And I think I think we're in with a real chance of kind of re-establishing ourselves as as a Champions League club every season, which I think is is, is important. I mean, I know it sounds terrible to say that we sound like Arsenal from a few years ago, but but we haven't been in the Champions League enough, and the financial and prestige impact of that is important. So if United can get a lot mm, yeah, a lot sure. close to the top teams, they get two two years of Champions League money again. They get experience. These these young players get experience in the Champions League. We need to grow. We need to move on the next step. And if we can put in a season of playing at or near to the level we've shown really since Burnley, then we've got a really good chance of doing that. And I think that's what we've got to do. We've got to show this wasn't a flash in the pan. This wasn't a a, a kind of temporary period like Solskjaer's initial honeymoon was. And that this is something enduring. And I think that's what, what we've got to do from there. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. I think it's about obviously maintaining our top four status is, is, is key. You know, everyone does talk about Arsenal when you talk about top four. And, and it, I think, you know, for them it was kind of a settling for top four. I don't think United, you know, we, we need to see that it's not just... And this this is talking about the board. We need to see that we're not just about to set up top four. We, we, we're aiming higher than that. We need to see a continuation of the growth that we've, that we've seen emerging this season. Um, and obviously an improvement. And, and yeah, we need to get closer to... City and Liverpool. I think Solskjaer said, or, or was hinted, you know, when he first got the, the job, that this is going to take time. You know, this plan's going to take time to put into place and, to, and to, to to get results. And I think, you know, a lot of the United fans understood that. Um, so, you know, I'm not expecting to win the league next season, but we, you know, we certainly can't be finishing 20, 30 points behind whoever wins it. So, oh no, you know. I think it continue, you know, a real, real signs of improvement from this season and greater consistency. Look at what Klopp did. You know, sure. it's got to be the same kind of thing, hasn't it? There exactly, was there's clear yeah. progression from season to season under Klopp, and it took him four years to yeah. win the title. And I don't expect that Solskjaer mm. could do it quicker than certainly no quicker than three. But you, there's got to be that progression every. Year. You could see every year how how they'd improved and they took really big strides. And we've taken a stride. We've taken a really big stride from where we were even six months ago. And it's got to, there's got to be another stride next season that makes us believe, that mm. makes the players believe, and Oli believe, and everybody believe that we can actually step up and 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 win the title in two or three years. And I think that's what what we've got to do. Richard Pajoria asks: Is the most damning aspect of Oli's coaching that United have looked utterly incompetent at playing out from the back beyond the first press throughout this season? Uh, I'll take that one. It's been pretty maddening. I'm not going to lie. I mean, we saw evidence of it today. Uh, I think. It really started coming a bit more into the fore, especially post-lockdown in the Villa game, because United weren't really at the races for the first 20-25 minutes of that game at all. And in the Southampton game, it was on full show until we equalised. You saw it in elements in the game, a lot of the game against Chelsea, you saw it against Palace, and you certainly saw it today and against West Ham. It's been a, a real key. Obviously, you take into a fact that United have certainly been tired as this period of games has run down because we've been calling on the same players over and over again. So perhaps that's not going to have quite the same effect next season as we've just seen the last couple of weeks. But it is going to take, uh, to me, an improvement in personnel and or coaching in order to make that properly work. And Richie mentioned maybe it requires a better left-sided centre-back in order to actually pass out from the back better than we currently it's have It's quality, been. isn't it? Because it's been so easy. Yeah, well, it's been so easy to put United under pressure. We just invite mistakes. And even when we're not being hugely pressured, we look scared. We don't look like we can deal with those situations. I... And, you know, lumping the ball forward with our front three, they're excellent, but they're not necessarily aerial presences in terms of controlling the ball with their back to goal so United have got to improve at that that's one of the night from Matt Peck a huge result for the club huge for Oli huge for the players and huge for the transfer window does Pogba stay now does Sancho sign does Oli get the three or four players he may want I mean Pogba staying now I think we all agree on that one sure yeah there's, there's no, the, I don't think there's any doubt I think that, that was the case surely. anyway I just don't think there's anybody yeah. with the money to buy him yeah I mean, Sancho, we, uh, quick word answers are we thinking yay nay for that one yeah I think that happens yeah I think yeah me too 
Yeah. What, what about the three or four players that he might want? I mean, you know, we've covered this a little bit. I mean, Paul, how likely do you think it is that Oli gets three to four players in at this stage? Because we typically, if you look at our work last season, we certainly took our time to seal deals. We did, yeah. And I, I think part of that will depend on which players he wants because, <clears throat> you know, he's shown in, in Dan James and there was obviously a lot of talk about Jude Bellingham that he's he's not just going necessarily going to go for like the big, big names. Um, so if he's got his eye on a couple of slightly lesser known players or younger players, then certainly I could see us getting three or four players. If it's just going to be sort of superstars, uh, then it won't maybe be. two. No, I don't think it will be though. I don't think it's his style. I don't no. think it's what he wants to. I don't think it's the direction he wants the club to go in. I think it'll be Sancho. That'll be that'll be the the star, and then I think there'll be that's the big be one, two yeah. or three, depending on who we, who we can sell. But there'll be two or three relatively cheap kind of really judicious yeah. signings. I mean, there, there was a link this week, I think, to the centre-back Gabriel at Lille, who's, who's really highly rated, and it, that you're only kind of looking at €25 million Euros to buy him. And at that kind of level, I could easily see us buying two or three players if we if yeah. we can get four or five out. I mean, just to, just to get Sanchez's wages off the... Off mm. the you know, you look, you look at what that is. I mean, I, is that, that's something something ridiculous, like £25 million a year, isn't it? Just... Think yeah. what you can do with those wages and that money. It's to get... He'll also be he'll be acutely aware because obviously with his relationship with Nicky Butt and he'll be acutely aware that we've got some very talented young players coming through as mm. well. That you know he, he doesn't want to just sort of brush them brush them aside for like a, for a quick fix and short term success. You know he, he'll want to integrate some of those into the, into the and he'll be planning to integrate some of those in the coming years. So yeah, exciting times. Oh. Well, it's good for the soul, isn't it? Actually, <laughs> succeeding something like that. Oh, excellent stuff, gentlemen. Yeah. I guess we'll reconvene just prior to the return of the Europa League campaign to preview what we're going to be seeing then. But for, for now, Rich and Paul, what a pleasure to a pleasure. It's I guess it ended up being quite yeah, nice to pleasure. get through this Premier League season. Absolutely, yeah, it's been a long I look forward to to speaking to you again. Enjoy the break, guys. Yeah, I'm gonna go and have a curry. See you in a bit. Enjoy. Take care. <laughs> And that's that. United's domestic campaign is done and dusted, so we'll take a little break before the Europa League kicks back in next week. But in the meantime, don't forget you can catch us on all over Twitter. You can get me at at you and like this, Rich at Rich Red Voices, and Paul at Paul Gunning One, and the podcast itself at Red Voices MUFC. The podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and Acast, among us, amongst others. So please give us a follow and a rating if you're so inclined. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Catch you next week. Bye. <laughs>